3: Coming up on DTNS, what Qualcomm's new chips will mean for your smartphones next year, what Salesforce gets out of Slack, and why middle management has the most to fear from robots. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, November 2nd, 2020 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane.
0: From Salt Lake City, I'm
3: Scott Johnson. And not yawning on the show's producer Roger Chang. Do you want to know why he's saying that, and get some great analysis of uh, the new M1 silicon, uh, both why it works better, and Sarah salivating over how much it works better. Uh, you got to get Good Day Internet to become a member at Patreon.com/slash/dtns. Let's start with a few tech things you should know.
2: Apple's MagSafe Duo Charger is now on sale for $129 online. It includes a magnetic wireless charging puck for the iPhone 12 and Apple Watch. But what you don't get is a charging brick. A 20-watt USB-C adapter will get you faster charging speeds, though not as fast as a 15-watt MagSafe charger itself.
3: Spotify announced that its podcast creation maker, Anchor, powered 80% of new podcasts on Spotify this year, which is more than a million shows added to Spotify's catalog in 2020 alone. Spotify says Anchor shows account for more consumption spent listening than any other third-party podcast hosting or distribution platform on its platform. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal sources say Amazon is in talks to acquire the podcast network Wondery, which a lot of people thought Apple might buy. Uh, They produce true crime podcasts like Dr. Death, Dirty John, and Over My Dead Body.
2: True crime. Big podcast genre. Discovery will launch its streaming service, Discovery Plus. Yep, that's what they're all calling their subscription services. On January 4th, 2021, it'll be uh, $4.99 per month. That's for the ad-supported tier. $6.99 per month for the ad-free tier. Discovery is partnering with Verizon to give Verizon's 55-ish million customers up to 12 months of the ad-free Discovery Plus plan for free, Depending on their wireless plan, so some people might be able to check it out without paying for a while. Discovery owns the Discovery Channel, HGTV, and Food Network, among others, and is also adding content from A and E, the History Channel, and Lifetime to offer 55,000 episodes from 2,500
3: shows. AWS announced the launch of industrial monitoring tools to help identify things like equipment failures, productivity bottlenecks, worker safety issues. One of the tools uses an algorithm to analyze video for anomalies, but does not. Use Use facial recognition. And another one called Panorama is an AWS hardware device that can add computer vision capability to your existing on premises cameras. AWS also announced new algorithms to assist call center workers to gather information about the customer and answer questions faster.
2: Well, we're getting a lot of best of the year lists, is that time of year? And Apple has named Zoom the best iPad app, workout app Wakeout one best iPhone app, Disney Plus was named best Apple TV app, and productivity app Fantastical won best Mac app. Over in the Google corner, Google named Luna Bedtime Calm and Relax the best Android app, and Disney Plus was named the user choice for best Android app.
3: All right, we promised we'd talk more about the Snapdragon 888, so that's what we're going to do right now. By the way, apparently they named it 888 instead of 875 or 885 uh, because... 8s are lucky and they think that'll help sales in China (laughs) so hey there you go good job hope that works for you Qualcomm anyway it's easy to
2: remember anyway
3: this is going to be the chip that powers most flagship Android phones in 2021 so it's important to know what it can do It will feature Qualcomm's 8-core Cryo 680 CPU, one of the first chips to feature ARM's customized Cortex-X1 core. Uh, That promises up to 30% higher peak performance with a maximum clock speed of 2.84 GHz on the main core. Uh, The X1 is essentially a supersized A78 that optimizes for performance. Even so, Qualcomm expects a power efficiency rise of 25%. So, More powerful chip. I don't think there's a whole lot of surprises there. First one to use Cortex-X1, so it's going to be super on performance. Maybe not as great as battery life, but Qualcomm says it'll still be 25% better than the last version. The Adreno 660 GPU promises a 35% jump in graphics rendering and a 20% improvement in power efficiency. Games will also have access to variable rate shading on this processor. That's supported on Vulkan and Unreal Engine. And it's for the first time that you've had variable rate shading on a Qualcomm chip. So a little better mobile gaming. The 5-nanometer x 65 g modem with sub-6 gigahertz and millimeter wave support will be integrated now. Uh, Everybody's been complaining about the fact that they didn't integrate it into the flagship Snapdragon. Well, now they will. That'll be 5G and 4G both in there. Uh, Download speeds are the same as it was when it wasn't integrated, up to 7.5 gigabits per second. You'll never get 7.5 gigabits per second, but it's capable of it. Uh, It also supports voice calling over 5G uh, and dynamic spectrum sharing that lets carriers run 5G calls over 4G spectrum. That's a little bit of future-proofing there. The Snapdragon 888 also supports Bluetooth 5.2, Wi-Fi 6, and Wi-Fi 6E, which is good for crowded areas, Uh, helps Wi-Fi work in in areas where a lot of people are using the spectrum. The Spectra 580 image signal processor is the first triple ISP in a Qualcomm chip, can capture three simultaneous 4K HDR streams. Jeez. If you need to You're do right. that for some reason. <laughs> um you could also take three twenty-eight megapixel photos at once, which I mean, if they're all pointed the same way, anyway, you can do it. That's the point, all right? Uh, Up to 2.7 gigapixels per second in its capture rate, 35% faster than the 865, can capture 120 photos per second at 10 megapixel resolution, and shoot photos in 10-bit color in HEIF, which, yeah, iPhone users, we know you could already do that, but this will be able to do it now, too.
0: I was uh, just thinking maybe maybe you want to do a selfie and a front-facing camera at the same time. Or have another. That's two. We could
3: already do that,
2: right? Yeah.
3: On like the yeah. Nokia, I think could do that. So okay. I don't know well, there, why there was a
2: whole social network for a while that was all about you know taking the photo front and back, but I'm that sure doesn't really be... have anything to do with this. There no. will be cool
3: uses for this that we can't possibly imagine,
2: right? now. Well, yeah. that's why I kind of laugh because I'm yeah. like three <laughs> soft <some> samis, four four <laughs> K HDR streams. Like, why? But that's Ooh. just me being like, I haven't learned yet why this right. is there's, well, something there's the in the practice, practice that is really that helpful you can then edit yeah.
3: in and yeah all that yeah. uh yeah. lastly the ai processor the six gen hexagon 780 can perform 26 trillion operations per second compared to 15 on the 865 three times better performance per watt also has the second gen <laughs> sensing hub uh so that shifts some of the lower power ai onto it uh, which is things like you know knowing when you pick up your phone so it can light up the display. Uh, that way, it doesn't use as much power by using the main Hexagon 780. Uh, there's also a Type 1 hypervisor, which can isolate data between apps and multiple operating systems on the same device. I don't know what that's going to be used for either because you can already isolate with Android, so the operating system would be the only advantage here And who knows what that's meant for, but intriguing? Multi-boot phones coming? I don't know. Uh, Snapdragon 888 chips start showing up in devices Q1 from Asus, Black Shark, LG, Meizu, Motorola, Nubia, Realme, OnePlus, Oppo, Sharp, Vivo, Xiaomi, and ZTE. But of course, the one you're going to pay attention to is the Samsung Galaxy S21 or whatever they decide to call it.
0: I'm going to just throw out the argument that this is also uh, you're going to see mixed reality and VR headsets use uh, this chip. Good point, or yeah. these chips, yeah. and that could be They're the multiple be
3: operating system. You could you mm-hmm. can do that. Yeah, sure.
2: Well, speaking of mixed reality, Varjo, if you haven't heard of the company, well, they announced a new generation of VR and AR headsets. The PC-tethered VR3 and XR3 headsets use two panels for each eye, a 1920 by 1920 display in the center of your vision, and then a 2880 by 2720 panel for the rest of the screen, both with 90 hertz refresh rates. This produces a clear image straight ahead because of the greater pixel density, and the new models also have a 115-degree horizontal field of view. Bigger than most consumer-grade headsets. A lot. There's also hand-to-eye tracking, and the XR3 adds cameras and LiDAR to enable a pass-through video feed for augmented reality as well. The XR3 weighs 594 grams compared to the VR3, which is 558. They're both heavier than the Oculus Quest 2, which weighs 503 grams, However, they're different. They are business and organization products, at least right now. Think a pilot who needs to be trained. Somebody in telemedicine, for example. And the prices reflect that. The XR3 costs $5,495 with a required one-year $1,495 Varjo software subscription. The VR3 is $3,195 with a $795 required yearly subscription. They're both available now, shipping in early 2021.
3: Yeah, I mean it's good to look at this stuff though, because a lot of times what happens in the enterprise areas, which is where VR is actually very successful, trickles down to what we use oh, on totally. the consumer side. Uh, and this idea of using two different displays that have different pixel densities, so that you can you can make a high because your peripheral vision doesn't need as high a resolution. You are not capable of seeing it as high a resolution, so uh, or, yeah. or high of pixel density. So yeah, that that's an interesting way of doing it, uh, and obviously great for for training of all kinds.
0: Yeah, what's interesting I think about this and just VR development in general is those multiple screens are a sign that what what we're getting better at is creating the complexity that our own eyes experience. So how are you going to do that? The optics for the human eye are crazy complicated. It all just works and here we are seeing stuff. <laughs> but really really complicated. So to replicate that to re- or or to replicate the the sense that you're creating objects and worlds and virtual situations that to your eye are as real as you and me standing and talking, that's the big, you know, clam in the sky. That's what we want. And this feels like them going, Yeah, well to get that, we're gonna have to get weird with with displays. And then we're gonna have to get weird with this other thing. And and by get weird I mean innovate in ways that seem a little crazy to us now, but it makes perfect sense to me that they would start to focus on the way our eyes actually work more and more as these as these new headsets come out. And this thing sounds fantastic, but clearly it isn't for me in my living room. That's that's not where yeah, this is. Not yet. Go.
2: Not right. Varkin, well, but. and yeah, I mean there's so much yeah. of, you know, it's you know, precision training, for example, where you go, well, of course, you know, somebody's training to, you know, Be a fighter pilot needs you know the absolute best VR training ever. But consumers also want that great experience as well. You might not need it in a life or death situation, but But it it will trickle down, like you said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that would be very helpful. Yeah, I mean, and a company like you know, look at Oculus. It's like okay, well, you know, my I I was only half kidding this morning where I was like, in three, two, when does (laughs) Oculus buy Varjo? But That's the sort of thing where a company goes, oh, okay. Because right now, as cool as I think VR is, I'm like, eh, I mean, sometimes the visuals leave a little to be desired, but you just sort of deal with it because it's cool anyway. But when it gets to a point... Of a company that's doing something on this level, then we'll, you know, we'll all look back to right now and say, oh, remember that janky little thing we used to put on our heads?
3: I have yeah. thought for a long time that augmented reality would w- and virtual reality would become one device. And this is another step in that direction by using LiDAR and external cameras to say, well, when you want augmented reality, we'll just bring it into you. And because it's doing it that way, the augmented reality is more convincing. It's able to occlude things better. It's able to work it in to the image better than than the way, say, HoloLens does it, where you have to deal with natural light. Um, So I don't know if this is the one that went out or not, but I I think this is another indication that we're just going to have mixed reality headsets, which is why people use that term.
0: Yeah. If I had six grand, I wonder if I could just plug this into like uh,
3: high-end Mac, right?
0: Well, it is, but if I had it, would it just work? Like, can I play steam games on this thing? I don't know. I don't know if there's any kind of like interoperability. I just got to
3: pay for that software subscription and all that. Yeah. it's oh, really oh not meant gosh, for
0: that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, check this out. Let's talk about a study that was meant for us. You worried about losing your job to robots? Well, yep. maybe you shouldn't worry so much. A study from the university of Pennsylvania Wharton school finds that managerial jobs are more at risk of elimination than, Due to automation than lower level employees, so Crap. think middle management, that sort of thing, the study looked at forms that purch- or excuse me looked at forms that purchased AI and robotic systems firms that is over the last 20 years in Canada, overall that study found that primary motivations to automate with AI and robotics was to improve product and service quality, not to save costs. Everyone assumes it means that you're going to try to save jo- or you know, have less jobs, therefore pay out less money well. Uh, the f- study found that uh, let's see, sorry, managers, on the other hand, no longer spent as much time overseeing work hours and inspecting work and results because robotics and AI recorded these numbers faithfully and automatically. And with automated assistance, lower level workers could supervise themselves more efficiently, at least in theory. That means you needed fewer managers to oversee the same number emplo- of employees due to automation. However, because there is less demand for supervisory roles, the ability to work your way up into a better-paying position was reduced. So there used to be kind of a bridge there, right? Like a little bit of a curve, and you get those new jobs and build up to the next one. Some of that in the middle gets removed, and now you got a bigger leap to get to the higher-paying job. But you're not going to lose your job as quick as you all feared you would. Well, unless you're a middle you. manager, right? Like, <laughs> well, that's, <true>. uh,
3: <laughs> yeah. that's That's the thing that, that stuck out to me is that and I, I've been suspecting this for a while, is that companies that don't automate can't compete. So you're more likely to lose your job at a company that doesn't add AI and robotics because it costs more to employ humans and they fall behind and those companies don't do as well and they have to lay people off. And this study found that to be true, that if you want to keep your job, you want your company to be doing automation. Uh, and I, But I did not expect that they would find that, you know what? While it doesn't eliminate the, the lower-level employee jobs because we either have them do other things or there's things that humans can do that robots and AI just can't do yet, uh, it's easier to supervise people when you got a lot of assistive technology with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that gets rid of that middle management layer. Now, I imagine a lot of you out there, unless you are a middle manager, aren't going to weep too much for that because people complain about middle management all the time as being you know useless uh, and and. Just, kind of points out that they may be the least useful in the chain
2: well you know as somebody who has technically been a middle manager in a couple different uh positions with different companies it's not that i didn't think i did anything i was very busy but a lot of it was sort of busy busy meeting work that wasn't necessarily super enjoyable and not necessarily creative on any level and you know we all kind of I think we would all call ourselves, you know, in the creative industry. And so the, I think there's a lot of that you just kind of get lost in the fold of you're not really doing the stuff that the company does, but you're not really the boss boss. You're somewhere in the middle, you know? And so there's a lot of just kind of busy work that happens. Again, depending on where you work, this could be like a very integral job that a robot could not replicate. I think probably in a couple of instances that I'm talking about, a robot could do a lot of what I was doing all the time (laughs) for 12 hours a day quite well. And and it yeah, it's not necessarily a thing that I'd be like, oh, I loved that job. It was sort of like, well, you know, it's a pretty good job. But I think the most important thing is people saying, okay, if robots take jobs that are, you know, Low level, as in you know, maybe the lowest paying, but they're super important jobs. Well, now you know those people are they're SOL, and and that's a bad thing. And sure, having, that may happen, but having, this this is you know pointing to something entirely different.
0: Sure, I, I totally agree with that. And having number of conversations with Tom over the years, I never forget the discussions we had about Lotus 123 and the fear that that struck <laughs> in the hearts of the accounting world at the time, and everyone was sure that meant we're all losing our jobs. The accounting world is going to be destroyed. CPAs jump ship now and find another gig because this is going to be bad. And instead the reality was it created jobs like way more jobs. And that business never went away. And in fact, it's, you know, money management and, and what we're able to do with the hard math being done by computers has made it so much easier for us to focus on the services and the things around accounting. So This feels like that to me, like we'll find a way. And oftentimes what we're afraid of is actually the thing that will spark a whole new industry. And, and I, and I, and I worry about it, not at all because of the conversation I have with Tom, like four years ago.
3: Well, and if you look (laughs) at the actual study here of actual companies and what they did, it looks like the problem may be advancement that you might get stuck in lower level jobs because AI and automation eliminates the path. Uh, to, to moving up. So keep an eye on that. Hey folks, if you want to join in the conversation in our Discord, do it right now. Link your Patreon account at patreon.com DTNS.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: The Claude three model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit Stripe.com tapiphone
2: Well, we mentioned yesterday that Salesforce had agreed to acquire Slack which pits Salesforce more directly against Microsoft Teams. That is the big competitor at this point. Microsoft and Salesforce compete in a few other areas as well, but they also partner up a lot. Salesforce is slowly building a business software stack that replicates what Microsoft already offers. And Salesforce has a 20% market share in CRM. Back in 2018, it bought MuleSoft, which connects legacy IT systems to the cloud. In 2019, it bought Tableau, a data analytics platform which up until now was one of its its most direct competitors to Microsoft, and now Salesforce also has Slack. Slack's big advantage is integrating with enterprise software. Does it already? TechCrunch suspects that Plus, Slack's bots, which also integrate, well, depending on what you're doing, make it the central place for Salesforce customers to work since all of Salesforce's product, various products can integrate into Slack already. For instance, Quip, that's Salesforce's way of socially sharing documents, slots right into Slack. That integration is a risk for Salesforce if they can't pull it off probably think that they can. The other risk is Slack not being worth the money. It was a big acquisition. Slack has not benefited as much from work from home as, say, Zoom, Teams, and others. Slack reported a net loss of $147.6 million in the two quarters ending July 31st this year. Salesforce thinks it can rejuvenate Slack, both with development resources and selling the heck out of it which, if you're not familiar with Salesforce, is what the company does quite well.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of taken by this idea that Slack becomes your Salesforce hub. Uh, they, they haven't integrated everything in there, uh, and it might not all integrate well, which would be the risk that you were talking about, but... If they did, that's pretty compelling to be like, "Hey, we've got this. We've got Slack. You all know Slack, right? We've got Slack. You just use that, and it integrates everything. All your CRM, all your backend right. stuff. It's it's just all right there. You can communicate with everybody." I get why this makes a lot of sense for Salesforce, and I get why Microsoft passed on buying Slack. Microsoft could have bought Slack when it was much cheaper, but they looked at the tools they had and said, "I think we can just build it ourselves." and have it do what we want it to do because it does a tiny it does things a little differently than slack it's a little more video focused a little more uh office 365 focused than slack would have been had they just bought it so this i guess that's the challenge for salesforce is making sure that it's salesforce focused but this makes sense to me
0: yeah me too i what i hope so this is a tiny little thing that only affects me and i use slack a lot with a lot of people including you guys Um, My biggest complaint about the service is some of its more basic things that we just sort of uh, rely on it for, like sharing files, in particular image files, which I have to send to people all the time for approvals and like a book cover. I got to get 10 people to look at it and sign off on it. So we use Slack to do it. Their image compression has been getting worse and worse and worse. So this is a small technical quibble. But I see this acquisition as potentially at least a chance for Salesforce to go, all right, well, let's evaluate everything as it's happening right now. Why is that happening? Is it because free tier people just aren't getting some of the better features like well, higher in other quality words, images? Salesforce
3: can just afford to pour pour money into recent, yes, into and yes. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and to me,
0: that would be a reason for me to stick around because lately I've been like, ugh. I don't really want to use it. In fact, Discord is being used by most of the people I work with now, and they're not gamers. That's The thing was made for gamers. They don't use it for that anymore. They use it to communicate and to share messages, and while it doesn't have all the integrations maybe you would want from something like Slack or Teams, it does a decent job at a very basic level of all that, so that's where they go, and you don't have image compression issues. You don't have video compression issues. It's like just some of that quality of life stuff. If they could sink some money into that, rejuvenate that stuff, As part of the core Slack experience, then maybe my whole outlook on Slack changes and I'm back in their good graces. Cause right now it just seems like kind of a bummer, some of that stuff. So I'm kind of excited about this, is I guess what I'm saying. I hope they do it.
2: I mean, as somebody who doesn't use any Salesforce products on any regular basis, this doesn't really affect me much. Yeah, as you mentioned, Scott, we use Slack for DTNS. I use Slack even just for like casual talking to friends and sharing gifts and, you know, just, just, friend stuff. It's really sort of a big group text that looks a lot nicer and does other things. And there are some integrations, but, uh, this doesn't really scare me. I mean, sure. Lots of times when a big company buys a smaller company or a newer company, anyway, both, both sides of from each team say, don't worry, they'll run independently. Nothing will change. It's going to be the product that you've always loved just better. That doesn't always happen. But if Slack, gains a bunch of features that I may or may not use but doesn't lose the features that I like now because it works really well for me, then I don't care that Salesforce bought Slack.
3: Oh, mm. I I fully expect uh, Salesforce to want you to use Salesforce to continue to use Slack. I'm not saying they'll get rid of the free tier, but expect that free tier to change and expect the focus of Slack to shift from where mm. it is now.
0: And probably more than just a jump off point, right? They're not going to want to just have it be, Hey, come on in here and check out this free thing. But also here's all our stuff. It's going to be more integrated than that. Probably
3: Slack is going to be a thing. When you buy Salesforce, you use this, not a thing where, Hey, use Slack. And then we'll try to upgrade you to a paid version. That's my guess.
2: Well, now I'm mad. (laughs) 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 Wow. Mad by anticipation.
0: I should, uh, I should make this note, uh, here about Apple. Uh, earlier this year, Apple patched an exploit discovered by Project Zero researcher Ian Beer uh, that would gain complete access to an iOS device over Wi-Fi with no user interaction required. Oof, that's a bad one. The memory uh, corruption bug existed in Apple's mesh networking protocol AWDL. The attacker would need a Raspberry Pi, a laptop, and off the shelf, off the shelf rather, Wi-Fi adapters, as well as be within. Wi-Fi range of the targeted computer uh, for at least two minutes or so. Anyway, Apple patched the vulnerability in May. It was developed in the lab and was never in the wild. The computer so you're
3: I, you're talking about is the phone, right? Or within, the phone, within, right? Yeah, within yeah. range of the phone. Uh, right. And the this is good news. This is very good news. Let me explain why. This is somebody whose job it is to find really bad vulnerabilities spending six months and finding a really bad vulnerability and then reporting it to Apple, Apple fixing it before anyone else knew about it. And now it's not a vulnerability. That's what you want. That's what project zero exists for. That's why Google runs it. Uh, that's why you responsibly disclose so that Apple patches it. That's why you hope companies respond, which Apple did. This is everything working well.
0: Yeah. makes me happy. I like to hear when, uh, somebody out there finds a thing, no matter who they are. And, uh, tells them before it can be a problem. Like, this is how we should be. There's always going to be bugs and vulnerabilities and things that companies don't catch. And, you know, this is good faith effort stuff that I wish there was more of.
3: And now Dan Gooden, uh, whom I respect quite a bit at Ars Technica, points out, he's like, well, if Ian Beer could spend six months figuring this out, imagine, you know, what a highly motivated uh, state-backed team could do. And Mm. that's true. That's something to keep in mind, uh, especially if you're, likely to be a target of a state-backed actor. Uh, but this this is mostly a good good news story.
2: Well, this might be a good news story, right. uh, depending on how hungry you are right now. Singapore has given the first world's first regulatory approval for the sale of cultured meat. U.S. company Eat Just will sell nuggets made out of lab-grown chicken meat under its Good brand. The meat is grown from actual chicken, muscles, cells. So its meat but it's obtained without killing those animals. The first sales will be at premium prices at a restaurant in Singapore in the very near terms, as the company. Several other companies are developing cultured meat as well, including Singapore's Shiok Meats, making cultured shrimp, and U.S.-based Memphis Meats.
0: Mm, I would eat all this meat, no problem. Me too. Bring it on. We talked about it on TMS a little bit with Tom, and I just want to reiterate, if it tastes like chicken and it looks like chicken, And I don't mean it needs to be like a full chicken with the legs on it and all that. I don't mean that. But, you know, looks like I've got some chicken on my plate, nugget or otherwise, and it tastes like chicken. This is great. All for this. Let's do it with cows next. Let's cut down on methane. Let's get less chickens being slaughtered by the billions. Let's just have a couple of cells and grow it from Mm -hmm. there. I've been in for this for years. Finally, it might
3: happen. Yeah, it's minimally invasive too. It's like a biopsy to get the cells out. Uh some people say like, yeah, but it still encourages meat eating and since we don't have most of our meat grown in the lab, uh that might be bad, but but really this 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 is a a good move for being able to more sustainably uh create our meat. We'll find out if there are any other downsides to it, but the reason Singapore's first on this is Singapore only makes 10% of its food and they want to increase that. They want to make more of their meat in the country, and they don't have room to grow a bunch of chickens, so this would allow them to get there. Let's see what's in the mailbag.
2: Well, we wanted to um, have a little bit of an anniversary party. Mike McLaughlin wrote us and said, "It just so happened today, December second, to be the twenty-second anniversary of my twenty-fifth birther- birthday." <laughs> Yeah. So I was like 22nd anniversary. I see what you're doing, Mike. Got it. Uh happy 25th birthday again. And uh yeah, you're uh, one of our uh, uh master grandmasters. Um, Mike we know Mike your McComphlin name well. Turning 25 for the 22nd time. Let's hear wow, it. Geez, I mean, what amazing. a milestone.
3: Right. Yeah. Uh by yeah. the way, uh this was Mike's uh request for a recorded uh announcement that you get at a certain level on our patreon uh which is why we're able to do this for you and uh thank you mike for supporting us for for so long uh appreciate that happy birthday my friend
2: yeah, feliz cumpleaños. Uh If you have feedback of any kind, you want to tell us when your birthday is, we, we'll take it. Or if you have questions or comments about anything that we talk about on the show, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send those emails. We also want to shout out patrons at our master and grandmaster levels. Today, they include Philip Less, Dan Kolbeck, and Chris Benito. Also, thanks to Scott Johnson. Scott, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And what's been what's been going on?
0: Well, I did. I had a really nice Thanksgiving and we had an amazing turkey. I recommend smoking your turkey next time you do it. And as a result, it gave me ideas for my comic strip that I do every week called Fred and Can. Yeah, that's right. A guy who lives with a can of expired cream corn in an apartment and their adventures together. And the latest one deals with a Warcraft hangover. Uh, some of you may be familiar with that anyway I can't anyway. imagine
3: that was ripped from your own experience somehow
0: <laughs> It feels like it might be uh, You'll have to decide for yourselves Go check it out It's over at fredandcan.com And for everything else you need from me You can find it at frogpants.com
3: Now listen folks I'm just talking to you right now Okay Nobody else Just just you So play it cool You know I know you got your headphones in I want to send you a holiday card Aww. Now if you don't want me to That's fine But if you do I need your address So go to patreon.com slash pledges, find DTNS if you back more than one patron, and just make sure that address is there and it's correct. If it's not, you can click update, you can add it. If it's not correct, you can click edit. And if you do that by December 10th, I will send you a holiday card. Now, if you're not a patron and you're like, wait, I want a holiday card, well, go sign up and make sure you put in your correct address at dailytechnewsshow.com slash patreon.
2: Folks, we are live Monday through Friday, 4 30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2130 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com/slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then.
1: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.
3: Programming Club hopes you have enjoyed this. <laughs>